And that was another component of this passive investing is I could start spreading that instead of having a couple hundred grand in one property in one place, I could then take these 50K increments and do four deals in four different states. And Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? Hey, Todd, doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Well, definitely uh, appreciate you joining us. A little bit about Travis. He's a full-time passive investor. He's been investing in real estate since 2009 in multifamily, single family, and vacation rentals. And Travis is also the Director of Investor Relations at Ashcroft Capital. Many of you might know Ashcroft. We've had uh, Joe Fairless on the show uh, as well. Travis has invested in over 30 passive syndications between 14 different firms, and he now dedicates his time to educating others in the world of investing. He's made it into his mission to share passive investment strategies in order to help others achieve and maintain wealth in real estate. And uh, let's dive in. Give our listeners a bit about your background. How did sure. you start becoming a passive investor? And like, is that what you do full-time, passive investing and uh, investor relations? Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was a sloppy start. Uh, we'll, we'll start with that. <laughs> Which is most, most of our cases, right? We all like just drank from the fire hose and started and you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. That's the best expression really to describe it. I, uh, I knew I wanted to be in real estate. Didn't know when, didn't know how, you know, didn't really have mentors, coaches or network or family that came from an investing background. Uh, my parents were, they came from a very frugal background. So the only, so I knew one side of the coin, which was how to save your money and live below your <laughs> means and, and make it work, right? Invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, probably not even stocks, the, the bonds and mutual funds are the. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And, and have a, a financial advisor tell you what to do and how to run your life. So, <laughs> uh, so I, you know, like a lot of folks, I started reading kind of the, the Robert Kiyosaki stuff and Rich Dad Prophecy, Rich Dad Poor Dad, all that yeah. cash flow quadrant. That, those were some of the humble beginnings of opening my mind to this concept or this idea of passive income and, and being aware of taxes and these implications, trying to build something long-term that made financial sense. Um, 2009 in September is when I got started and I just bought a single family home. It was just kind of right place, right time. I was ready to uh, you know, quit renting temporarily. I just wanted to try this thing out. And you know, it, it's funny because a lot of folks will tell me, Oh man, look at you. You got started at just the perfect time. And I thought, you know, I remember asking family and friends in September yeah. 09, what do you think about me buying a home? And yeah, it was like, don't buy a home. Do You're it. crazy. Yep. You're crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like buying the stock market back in March when it fell 30%. You know, yeah. if you asked a lot of people, it's no, 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 not yet. You know, <laughs> there's this big bottom out there. So, but here's, here's what happened though. I, what gave me <clears throat> that, decision, the comfort in making that decision was this particular home I'm looking at, uh, previously it sold for about 165, 165,000. And it was currently on the market at 95,000. 
and I was going to go conventional 20% down, blah, blah, blah. Well, the government was also giving out $8,000 tax credit to oh, first time right. home buyers. Yep, yep, this I was remember. the first year, by the way, that you didn't have to pay it back. I think yeah. in previous years, there was a clause where it needed to be paid back this year, nothing. So, I, you know, I'm sitting there running the numbers for myself and having to, for the first time, really make my own decision on, you know, to leap or, or to stay, you know, on the ship. And so, you know, I took a leap of faith. I ended up that first home, I ended up house hacking. It was next to a college campus. So I thought, hey, worst case scenario, I rent the spare bedroom. And so I did that. And not because it was the worst case scenario, I just wanted to do that. And uh, that ended up paying my mortgage, basically. My mortgage was like 640. I'm getting 600 a month. And it's like, holy cow, like that, you know, that was like, first-hand passive income, you know, yeah. experience, right? Yeah. And so that that's where like, you know, it's it's half education, but then it's half, you know, getting out there and taking action, right? So that was my first taking action. And then, as you said in my bio, I got into fix and flips and I did some buy and holds and I continued the, the house hacking stuff and vacation rentals. And I did a whole bunch of things actively, hands-on, self-managed, single-family townhomes, condos. And I burned myself out by 2015, so about five, six years in, because I was working a, a, a very intense W-2 job in the oil industry. It was, you know, 14-hour days. I was away from home. I was out of state. I worked in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East. And, you know, it just, at the end of the day, I'm trying to scale this portfolio up, and it's taking more and more of my time. And eventually, I just, I cracked, and I thought, I, I just can't do this. <laughs> I didn't see the hope at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So, Made a big pivot in 2015 to investing in syndications, private placements, multifamily primarily, value add type stuff, B and C class properties, and where I could just be hands off. That was the beauty of it. I literally, no more phone calls, no more managing tenants, no more spending weekends, driving, checking out properties, all that. And so from 2015 through today, I'm a full-time LP investor to answer your question on that. Yes, that's uh, 100% of my portfolio or uh, passive uh, investments. So nothing that requires any of my time. And uh, that's what I kind of help uh, coach others on and, and educate on. Go ahead. Are you still working in the, the W-2? Good question. So no. So the first thing I did when I left the oil field, kind of quick story about that. I, so I had all these single family homes and an oil field job that A, I didn't like doing and B, I didn't see being sustainable anyhow, because as you know, oil and gas is such boom and bust. I knew I'd be laid off or fired or something eventually. <laughs> you know, it's just inevitable. So I thought, man, I got to do something about that. So that was the first time I really sat down with a spreadsheet and I calculated my net worth for the first time and just said, Hey, if I sold everything, all these homes, the house I live in, if I just went total liquid, paid all the taxes and commissions, realtor fees, what would I be left with? Okay. There's that number. What if I put that number into these passive deals? What's a conservative cash flow I might expect. This was back in 2015. Um, and so I kind of use, I think it was like 8% number or something like that, uh, annualized. And I never projected for equity pops or forced appreciation, any of that. I just said, hey, cash flow is the name of the game. And I realized I could leave that job. And so I did. And um, that led me to pursue other ventures. The first thing I did is work for a big brokerage firm, one of the biggest. And um, I, I got licensed, Series 763, which is now expired. But I wanted to learn stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. I wanted to learn Wall Street and real estate but I quickly kind of burned out <laughs> on how that industry operates and, and the lack of, you know, co-investment and, and those kinds of things. So sure. 
I was fully in real estate and, and preaching mutual funds. And I thought, no, I, I just can't do it. I'm not <laughs> investing in this myself. I can't tell someone else to do this. And uh, so anyway, that, that's inevitably what led to Ashcroft Capital. So part of their investor relations team, what that really was about, though, was pre-COVID going around nationwide to conferences and networking, building relationships with accredited investors, being a speaker, a panelist at an event running the Ashcroft Capital booth to answer questions, things like that. It was a win-win. I love networking. I love meeting people. Introduces me personally to sponsors and deals and things as I get to share my passion and what it is I do and what kind of changes I've seen in my own life because of it. So, uh, so yeah, that it's, so it's, it's basically working off of, of a passion and leaving kind of the, the old school, you know, W2 grind, so to speak, uh, that I was unhappy with. That's kind of the evolution of it. I love it. I love it. Sounds like kind of like, sounds kind of like a dream, man. And that's, that's great. That's great. I love it. Hey, if you're looking for the best conference of the year about cash flowing real estate, then check out the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's going to be October 22nd through 24th, and it's going to be a virtual experience unlike any other because it's interactive. You get to meet and interact with the other attendees as well as with the speakers. We've got big name speakers too. So sign up today at nreconference.com and use the coupon code DEX, D-E-X, for $50 off. Well, it kind of is. I mean, it's, you know, you still have the same, you know, human issues that everybody has. Right, 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 right. We've got yeah. the down days. Got just the disappear. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's truly, that's why I try to inspire people about yeah. this concept of financial independence, financial freedom. If nothing else, it gives you choices and options, right? Whether you want to move to part-time work instead of full-time, pivot yeah. careers and try something new, retire early, spend more time with family. Everyone has their why. But, you know, for me, it had a lot to do with travel flexibility, giving back and, and being able to, to be more passionate in what I do. Awesome. Awesome. Let's, let's talk. I mean, uh, my guess, you're working for Ashcroft, so likely you've invested with them. But when I introduced you, you've invested with more than just one sponsor. You, you've correct. invested with uh, 14 different firms. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So Ashcroft didn't come along in my investment journey in this passive world till about maybe deal five or six, somewhere in that ballpark. And yeah. I kind of took it slow in the beginning, but I've invested in 10 deals with Ashcroft as an LP. So definitely have kind of a wide array of knowledge around kind of <laughs> who they are, what they do and why I like that team. So that equates to roughly, as you pointed out, about 30% of my invested portfolio, a little bit less, but yeah, hefty amount with one operator. So let's, let's talk about vetting sponsors because 14 different operators means you have to get comfortable with all these people you're doing business. So talk, take me through your vetting process. Like what are some of the key things you're looking for when you're looking for, is this an operator I actually want to put my money with? Cause that's obviously a big question. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So this is kind of my approach. I started, and, and by the way, for transparency, I didn't start doing this day one, which was kind of what I equate to some of my mistakes early on. Right, drinking from the fire hose. You're just learning <laughs> as you go. Yeah, exactly. So what I come to find is, it, this is my opinion, personally speaking, I feel like the sponsorship team is number one in importance, and then the market would be number two, and the deal would be number three. 
And when I started, I had that backwards, right? So I was only looking at deals, trying to find the highest yields and then just yeah. park money there. And then I realized it's not achievable if the team can't do it. <laughs> you know, it's, and, funny, uh, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly was my investment philosophy. When I started, it was first, it was the deal. Then it was the market. And yeah. then it was the team that I could build. And now yeah. it's the exact opposite. I've got to find... I, I might, I probably go and look for the market that I want to invest in first. But then I want to go, okay, this is a good market. Yep. Then mm -hmm. I'm going, okay, what kind of team can I build? Can I build the right team in this market? Because the answer sometimes is no. Like I can't even, this is a great market, but I can't build the right team. Yeah. So why mm -hmm. invest? And then it's the deal. Because if you're just searching for the deals, there's a lot of great properties that look like they're a 10 cap on paper. And <laughs> hey, let's buy this thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I guess I, I just want to put that out there as kind of like rule number one, or at least thought number one, put that in the back of your mind. And then from there, what I discovered to me that was most important was writing down my actual criteria. So knowing, and this, you know, this is a little bit deep. I mean, this doesn't happen yeah. overnight, but you got to think about your risk tolerance. You got to think about your time frame, and you got to understand that there's just about every kind of model out there. You can do mm -hmm. new developments and value add and self-storage, mobile home, multifamily, single family. So you got to kind of understand from a high level what all this stuff is, how it works, and then what makes sense to you, you know, as the investor. That's what's most important. And so, you know, what led me toward uh, Ashcroft was I had already done this exercise and I had said something like, I can't remember it back when, this was like 2014, 15, I'd said, uh, monthly distributions, monthly reporting, a team that I can get in touch with when I need to value add properties. I like Texas. I like Florida. I like, you know, to your point, right. I had done some macro level uh, research on different States and markets. And then after I had discovered that, given that some considerable thought, then I went out seeking groups and operators that were doing just that. They may not check a hundred percent of those boxes, Although I think Ashcroft came pretty close in my criteria, but still um, it helps a lot, right? Because now you're, you're automatically aligning yourself in philosophy right. with someone else. That's kind of like a natural, <laughs> it's like your instant friends, right? Cause you think yeah. alike. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that, that's, that's a huge, huge, huge first step before you get into all the due diligence and, and the background checks and the references and all like, think about yourself and your goals and what makes sense to you. I guess the underlying concept there would be invest in what you know and what makes sense to you. Because the one time I really got myself into some trouble, I invested in a passive deal outside of real estate that I didn't fully understand, looked pretty good on paper, could grasp the concept, but didn't know all the ins and outs, lost a ton of money. <laughs> you know, and it would kind of be like that, you know, I don't know, cryptocurrency or something for me anyway, I don't know that much about it. So for me to go put a hundred K in there, it's a 50, 50 <laughs> loser or, or win. I don't know. You're just doing it because it, it sounded cool or somebody says it was cool or whatever, but you don't yeah. really understand it. And that, that's really big. You've got to understand what, what you're putting your money into. Yep. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Increases and, and, your chances. Line, of, I really like how you talk about the, that's that alignment um, and kind of having that the same philosophy. I find that really important too, as I'm talking with my investors, like mm -hmm. I want investors that have similar philosophies to me because if they don't, it just is not as good of a, 
of a partnership, right? We're, we're yeah. truly making, having a partnership. Now, yep. if you've got people that have different goals or different thoughts, or they, they're going to need their money or whatever it is, it's just mm-hmm. it's never a, the great, that greatest situation. We want people to be aligned. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's the thing is that private placements are, are not liquid investments. You know, yeah. it's not a stock that you buy today and then tomorrow, read a headline and go, oh, I'm selling it. You know, I don't want to be I, in it. When can all. I get my money back? <laughs> yeah. Well, when we sell or refinance. Like. Right, right, exactly. So, yep, great point. Anything else on, on vetting sponsors, what you're really looking for, maybe vetting deals, vetting markets? Sure. Kind of what, what you sure. Think? Yeah. And then, and then in terms of let's, let's take it, I guess, a little bit on the market real quick. So what I do for markets is I do a macro level research. So I look at migration trends, where are companies and people moving to, where, what states are they leaving? I look for tax friendly states. I'm a big fan of like Texas, Florida, for those examples, you got to factor in this, uh, the, the baby boomers and retirement, where are people going to want to be? You look for, you know, affordable housing, diversified uh, job employment. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but again, you don't have to be a master in all of this, but I kind of look from a macro level, what makes sense, just realistically, logically, what's happening statistically. And then I let the sponsorship group fill me in on the specific sub-market. I can't know every sub-market, you know, yeah. why invest in Irving, Texas? I don't know. Never been there, you know? Uh, and so what's that three mile radius look like? I don't know. What are the school rating systems? I don't know. So that's what I kind of leave that to, right? Let the experts kind of do their thing. But from a high level, I already know there's a lot of reasons I like Texas. So fill me in on the rest. You know, I'm, I'm like 90% there. <laughs> cool, cool. So, so know enough on the large level, then let the sponsors kind of go in and, and maybe do you a little bit of research, but you've already researched the sponsors. You got that trust in them. You probably yeah. can trust, but verify their, their research there. What are your top markets today? Do you have any, any favorite? Can you give that away or your secret? <laughs> uh, what, what are your like favorite markets out there? Maybe I don't know, three, five, 10, whatever you want to list off. Lately, I'll, I'll take it this way. The, the most recent investments that I've made, say in the last, we'll take it in the last six months, I've done several deals, have been uh, Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. I've done two deals there. Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, just suburbs of DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, in, in various capacities. So I'm still bullish on those two states, but I'm not only investing in those states. I've got, you know, uh, Arizona, Ohio, Michigan, Colorado. I mean, there's a lot of states, but I'll put less exposure into a state that I'm, you know, like the facts make sense, but I'm not super bullish on, you know, like Colorado is a good example. I I love Colorado, grew up in Colorado and I would love to hold more here, but something that started getting me very um, uncomfortable when I was doing single family is knowing that I had a hundred percent of my net worth and properties in a 50 mile radius in Colorado, one market, one state. And so you run into political risk and tax risk. And you know, what if, you know, big tornado comes down the front range, knocks out all my property. I mean, just, you just have increased risk. And that was another component of this passive investing is I could start spreading that instead of having a couple hundred grand in one property in one place, I could then take these 50 K increments and do four deals in four different States. And that gave me a lot more peace of mind at night (laughs) to think even if a hurricane slams Florida, I got Texas and then, you know, vice versa. So. 
That's a, uh, that leads me to another question on with the passive investor front. You just mentioned you can take 50K here and there. I get some passive investors that'll approach me and, you know, they've got a good amount of, of money that they want to invest. They talk about investing it all in one deal or a big chunk of it. And I always suggest, look, why don't, why don't for your first deal with, with me or with somebody else, you just put in like 50, maybe a hundred, just to kind of feel it out. What, what are your thoughts on that? Does it make sense to put a big chunk down? Or is it better to kind of spread your risk out to 10 different deals, five different deals, whatever? Yeah, sometimes I, I wish I'd, you know, kept these licenses and, and kept going with that to be more of a financial advisor, which I'm not for full transparency. But but yeah, for me personally, I can take it from that direction. Um, so two types of people usually as a passive, uh, those who are, you know, still kind of working and earning and then, yeah. you know, they don't have a tremendous amount of capital, just 25 here, 50 there, 100 there maybe. And then you've got folks that maybe sell a business and yeah. it's like, oh, I got $5 million. Uh, I'm kind of in a hurry to go put this somewhere, you know, and that's, that's the type of person I think you're, you're more, more than likely referring to, you know, tons of capital to go put to work. But I still, here's a good example. I'm in a big uh, investor group out in Colorado and the facilitator had, he was, he was this, this type of person. He had sold a company in the mid nineties, made bukus. But he told me one day when I'm asking him about syndications, he's one of my mentors. He says, you know, I've never put more than a hundred thousand into any private placement. And he's done hundreds of LP deals and his net worth might be 80 million, hundred million at this point. I'm not sure, but somewhere in that range. And that really taught me a lot yeah. about kind of, well, then who am I with, <laughs> with my net worth to go yeah. put 300K into a deal, you know? And the one time that I mentioned earlier, I got myself in trouble. I went too heavy. It, the deal looked good. The numbers looked great. I didn't fully understand it. And I packed uh, like 175 in and, and lost like 40%. So um, yeah, I wouldn't have done that <laughs> yeah. in hindsight, obviously. Right. right. I mean, there's value in, in not only getting to know a sponsor, but spreading your risk out in a different deal. Yeah. So even if you even if you go, hey, I really like this sponsor. Well, why not do five deals with them versus one deal with them versus two or whatever? Sure. Um, yeah. So what? Um, I guess before we shift, anything left on vetting sponsors' deals? If you want to hit on. You know, I always try to ask the tough questions. First of all, always have a phone call or if yeah. possible, a webcam call, or if we're not talking COVID land, a face-to-face -face -face because best. it is the best. It is. And that's what I learned from these conferences. And that, that just made the biggest impact. Um, sometimes I can make a decision rather yeah. quickly after just a 15-minute face-to-face. But but at the very least, leverage this free technology, Zoom and whatnot, you know, and do that. And if you can't do that, at least do a phone call or two. But ask some difficult questions about underwriting, about what-ifs, about, um, you know, key person risk, about, you know, recessions, about, you know, all this kind of stuff, break-even occupancies. Just kind of know the facts. Trust but verify. That's kind of my thing. And and to, to the point of experience and track record, so I've invested with groups doing their very first Deal, and I've invested with groups doing like their 40th, 50th, sometimes maybe even a hundredth deal. <laughs> and so ultimately I do like track record and experience, but more importantly, I just like professionalism that they can show me something as to kind of what past results have been good or bad, by the way. And I mean, you got to understand that nobody's perfect. No team is perfect. No market's perfect. Sometimes these 
30-year track record teams bring on a deal that just underperforms. You know, it just happens. You know, thing floods happen, stuff happens, you know. And um, so I, I can't judge someone like that. I can't look at like a, a, a prospectus of a company and go, wow, you had a deal go south. No way, man. I'm not investing with you. <laughs> you know, learn from that. What did, what did, you know, ask that question. What did you guys learn from that deal? What exactly happened and kind of what's been put in place since then, you know, to maybe ensure that that hopefully won't happen again. Just ask those questions. Maybe they're uncomfortable, but they're worth asking. Because like we had talked about, three, five, seven years sometimes you're in a deal with a sponsor. And the last thing you want to do is make a rash quick decision and then realize six months later, I don't like communicating with these people. <laughs> That's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to your point about like deals do sometimes go not as planned, right? Uh, 100%. Probably, probably more often than not, they don't go perfectly as planned. Hopefully they go better, yeah. but sometimes they go worse, right? And Yep. It's, it's all about how does that sponsor react to it? How are they planning yep. for it? Yep. And how do they communicate with you about it? Because if they're not communicating, that's, that's uncomfortable for everyone, right? Yeah. And I've had that come up too. A big thing I value is the transparency element, not just communication as in they send a bunch of emails to you, but transparency, like even the minor stuff, you know, like we had this incident that happened on a property, blah, blah, blah. Here's how it was handled. We just wanted to let you, you know, be aware of that. I'm not talking about little bitty things, but things that are important. You know, the last thing you want to do is get a quarterly update and say, well, four months ago, we had eight units burned down and uh, we didn't tell you about it, but... Insurance check just came in today, so we're all good. <laughs> exactly. So hopefully, a little more transparency than that. Yeah, 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 definitely. What's a? Uh, you've already mentioned, uh, I guess, maybe a couple mistakes. But what's another mistake that you've made um, in your real estate journey, and mm-hmm. how have you learned from it? Yeah, I, two two examples. One would be in the single family space. I'll start with that. <clears throat> I had to realize something that was hard to realize. <laughs> and that's that, quite frankly, I wasn't that good at what I was doing. <laughs> so I, yes, I did the flips and the vacation rentals and the this, that and the others. But if you were to take me and do a sample of other people around me doing the same thing, that was probably one of the least effective, you know, if I'm flipping a home and getting a 20 K you know, profit margin, there's people doing it at a hundred K profit margin because they have better systems and more people and better connections and all these things. So I think some self-reflection up front to realize that, are you someone who should be active? Because there's absolutely nothing wrong with being active, right? There's so many great people that are great at certain things. But for me, that was a misfit. And I think for a lot of active single family investors, it's a misfit. Mm -hmm. And, and it's hard to realize that you really got to look, you know, hard in the mirror and just think if people are doing stuff way better than you, or you could potentially get similar returns passively versus actively, that might be something, you know, to check into and, uh, you know, free up your time a little bit and leverage the expertise of people who dedicate their lives to this people who are passionate about, managing properties or sourcing deals or building broker relationships. To me, all of that was a burden, (laughs) you know, like every one of the, like, I just, ah, it just gave me a headache every time I had to think about anything dealing with my properties. It was just, you know, a a misaligned uh, thing. So, so self-reflect, figure out your own goals, what you're good at, what your strengths are, what they're not, and try to leverage other people if you can. 
Yeah, I think that's so valuable right there because everybody, you know, look, you hear how oh, real estate investing, it's a great way and maybe it depends on who you listen to. And obviously you listen to somebody that goes, oh, buy, buy the house, do the monopoly, you know, buy a bunch of houses and then eventually buy an apartment or whatever it is. And so, you, so these, you get all these people out there that start buying a bunch of houses and they hate it and they can't deal with it and they got their full-time jobs and they, they got this burnout that happens so quickly and they swear off real estate, right? And it just wasn't because real estate was bad. It was because they were bad at real estate, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Or, or they just didn't have time. They didn't have that passion for it, whatever it was. But they, they were told like, you've got to buy some rental properties. You, you, that's the way to go. Well, get into real estate 100%, but do it whatever way fits your lifestyle. It's your personality. Like you've got to do it the right way. Not all of us are meant to deal with tenants and toilets and that type of stuff. Yeah. And, and something I hadn't thought about to that point, excellent point is how many people are career focused, which I was too, but more importantly, here's a big difference. I was career focused in a career I hated and wanted to get out of. Well, that's a lot different than someone career focused that's passionate and loves what they do. Think about all the doctors, the dentist, the lawyer, the attorney, the pro athlete. Well, should they really be fixing and flipping homes on the weekend and getting back to their practice Monday morning? I mean, it just, you know, for so many people that just doesn't make sense. And so that's the education aspect of passive investing and private placements is, you know, sometimes these are the perfect vehicles for those types. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's why, well, what, and what was changed over the last 10 years too, with all the podcasts and all the information that's out there is, is, is crazy. But when I first got in this business, I, I had no clue you could syndicate, like no clue. I could even think of taking some of my profits from one of the properties I flipped and putting in this passive. Like I had no clue that was even possible, let alone like actually raise money myself from people and put it into this like syndicate into what? And <laughs> the education out there right now is, is huge, but still a lot of people have no clue what it is. And so it's just, it's continually doing this education, which, you know, was just obviously what you're, what you're doing right now, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, Where, so where you, where's kind of your goal? Like, where are you going with this um, between, Mm between the passive investing, between sure. the, the investor relationships, like what's, yeah. what's the vision? Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> I've truly genuinely fallen in love with the concept of just being a passive investor. And so I get asked all the time, like, when are you going to do your own deal? You know, when are you going to become a GP? <laughs> and I did like, hopefully never uh, <laughs> for me, <laughs> honestly, because I don't, I don't want to do it. And as I pointed out, I'm not that good at the active side. Yeah. I recognize that and know that, nor do I want to tie my time up into it either. So I've got some folks in my network that are you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years beyond where I'm at. I mentioned the the one there with the, you know, 80 to $100 million net worth. So hundreds of LP deals. That's the direction I want to head. That's where I want to be. And I think that I wrote a blog recently, kind of, you know, what is enough, you know, for you, enough mm-hmm. in, in financial terms. The point being, a lot of people hit enough at an earlier age. It could be 30s, 40s, 50s, what have you, but before the traditional retirement age. And I think that a lot of us want to continue being productive. You know, you still want to give back. You still want to produce something. You still want to be creative. You still want your brain working. So my goal would be to remain 
passionate about whatever it is I'm doing. Okay. And, and whether it's multifamily syndication or passive investing stuff, it could be something different in 10 or 15 years, but with the idea that whatever that something is, it's my passion at the time and it gives me fulfillment and, and joy, you know, and to me, that's the biggest thing is passive investing to me is not about money. When you surpass your, your, your cost of living, you know, whatever that is for you beyond that doesn't really matter. It's just the ability of having flexibility, you know, yeah. over your time and what you dedicate to. So that's kind of my goal. I don't have, you know, I, I do have some goals that are more specific, <laughs> kind of personal, you know, with my yeah. wife and, and I, but, but in general, it's just the ability to, to, to travel and, and have family time and, and things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Um, I was asked that, I've been asked that same question too. When's he knocking me off? And <laughs> my answer has always been when, when the world's a perfect place. That's when enough is for me. There you go. Um, so I think I'll be working on it for a while. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, how, um, what's a pat, like, I think what we're talking about, a lot of people would be like, that would be so cool to be just a passive investor because I could do anything I want, never have to, to work ever. Do you work? So I work in the sense of working on things like I described that are, that I'm passionate about that give me fulfillment. For example, I do these blogs. These blogs are not for revenue. I make zero off of it. I don't get any like leads off these things. This is like me thinking through concepts, philosophies, ideas I want to share, things that have helped me throughout my journey and just giving that back and pushing that out. The other thing I do are weekly I do these free 15 minute Q and a calls mm. for networking purposes since COVID kicked in, you know, it was conferences and whatnot. Now it's, Hey, I still love connecting with people. How am I going to do it? Yeah. So that's what I've done is I've got this Calendly link. I, I send out there to the world. And like this morning I was on the phone with a uh, 19 year old, a mm. uh, very nice lady out in um, uh, California, just getting started. She tells me six months ago, I just had an epiphany that real estate is, is the answer for me. And I want to start, she said, I'm just diving into it. I want to learn it all. And so we, we talked right. about single family and multi, it was such a, it was fulfilling. It was yeah. joyous, but what do I get out of that? Nothing, but I got to give back and that makes me feel great. And yeah. so that's kind of the, the purpose behind, you know, quote unquote work. Yeah. Um, yeah I think I'll always work on work. something. <laughs> I, love I love it. That's cool. Uh, and that's, that's what we all, want, right? If you're, if you're doing what's going to make you happy and fulfill, I mean, that's, that's what we're all looking for, right? Um, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Oh man, there's so many, I think. Okay. So we can take it. Let's take three books real quick. Um, one that was a very practical book that literally translated into a huge uh, money savings for me was uh, Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. I read that years ago. He's got a revised version with the new tax code. There are a lot of things I wasn't aware of that my CPA was never going to get around to letting me know <laughs> because they didn't research it themselves. So that immediately translated into amending some tax returns and, and just yep. doing business differently. So that's a great one. Um, on the LP stuff and uh, being a passive investor, uh, Brian Burke wrote a book called The Hands-Off Investor that came out a few months ago. Uh, that's a great book that explains in a lot more detail what private placements are and this whole concept that we're talking about in a very structured, detailed way. 
uh, for those interested in that. And then mindset, motivation, yada, yada. I've always been a big fan of Tony Robbins. And I think that Awaken the Giant Within is probably one of the best things he's ever written. He's written a lot of books, but that's probably the core of his whole philosophy. So try to hack your, your mindset and, you know, how to find happiness, fulfillment, things like that. Uh, Awaken the Giant Within. So those are three. So you led me to another question. Mm-hmm. I want to be a passive investor. I, I've got some, some money sitting around or, or whatever. I, I want to place it. And, but it just like the syndication thing sounds really cool. But how do I find people? Like, where do I go to find somebody to invest with? Because I don't know. I don't know yeah. anybody. They're not in my backyard that I know of. Uh, I'm sure there are, but I just don't know. Like, how do I find them? Yeah, boy, this is a weekly question. <laughs> I still struggle with it. I do. It, and because it's, oh man, it's so different for everybody. Yeah. My approach doesn't exactly translate to what other folks can do going nationwide to conferences. That's expensive and time consuming right. and who really has the time for it. So that's what I did though. Ultimately there's online forums, there's your, your bigger pockets or, you know, investor, whatever.com, you know, <laughs> these different things. Yeah. Those are great to a, to a point. Um, there's, this is a conversation I had about a week ago was <clears throat> someone approached me with a business idea to launch more or less like a Yelp review site for sponsors and syndicators, which mm. concept I love by the way, there's a, there's one already out there. It's just, my fear is that without super heavy marketing, the exposure won't get out, you know, yeah. but there's, um, I think it's called like crowddd.com, which is similar. You can yeah. search a lot of syndicators, but you'll get like three reviews on a sponsor that's well known, you know? So until that could get to a hundred, 200, 300, 400 reviews, it's not that effective, <laughs> but, uh, it's tough. So you got online forums, you got, you know, Zoom calls, web calls. Of course, you can just, like I said, make your criteria and then start Googling 506C, 506B operators, multifamily syndicators. You know, I mean, there's kind of the long approach that way. My favorite approach, even though this may sound a little biased because it's, you know, it's me here, but uh, <laughs> reach out to someone doing it reach out to people like me. It doesn't have to be me, but reach out to someone who has partnered in 30 plus, 100 plus, 50 plus, and just start networking that way, right? Skip right to the top. Go to the people that are actually doing it real time and full time and just see who they've worked with and what the experience has been. And so I'm happy to do that, you know, for folks. And, and that comes up a lot of my, my Q&A calls too. So I don't recommend or endorse. I don't say, and I'm not affiliated. I'm not getting kickbacks. It's not like that. It's just saying someone that comes to me, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm non-accredited. Therefore I can't work with Ashcroft Capital. Uh, who else is out there in the industry doing 506B? And then I can provide, you know, a, a list of 506B operators, not endorsing. them, just saying, Hey, you know, there's some folks, you know, if you reach out to them. So cool. Cool. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, I, I see, I see that a lot like bigger pockets and I, I hear that question a lot. Like, Oh, how do I find other people? Like some people will reach out to me that we have a good conversation. Like, you know, do you know anybody else? Cause I don't know how to find these people. So you hear that so often. Um, and like I said, when I first started, it was like, I don't even, I don't know. Like, what is this stuff? Like a lot of people don't know. 
Yeah, the other way I've been introduced real quick, one more thing I left out that's pretty important is I am in a lot of real estate groups, you know, real estate meetups. Some are as big as, you know, in-person events, by the way, at least before COVID. They're all online now, but like 400 people is probably the biggest group that I'm in. 400 accredited investors meeting once per month for a meetup. So that's one all the way down to like the eight to 10 person groups, you know, and it's just, it does take a little effort, a little time, you know, it's a process, but over time you start seeing the same names pop up. You start meeting some of the same people. I mean, it's a small world really, but it didn't seem that way in 2015 to me, but uh, come to find it, it really is cool. That's awesome. Um, last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? My three pillars of wealth creation. Yeah. I should have got this question <laughs> ahead of time. I should have read it. Give, give an example. What, no. what do you mean? Uh, you, you, honestly, you answer it however you want people. Some people will talk about mindset. Some people will talk about, you know, tangible real estate, uh, business, uh, you know, stocks, whatever. So however mm-hmm. you want to answer it. And I don't give it in front because I want to just see what comes to your brain. Yeah. Okay. 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 I got you. <laughs> uh, so one of my biggest things, the, the thing that I've, I've found has made the biggest improvement is just the ability to self-educate. So that's been a huge one for me. And that that's pretty open-ended, but whatever your path is, audiobooks, physical books, podcasts, seeking out mentors, real estate meetup groups, whatever. Um, that'd be my number one self-education. Number two is just having willpower and discipline. So just pushing through to realize that, Hey, I might, you know, so-called grind this out for five or 10 years or something, but ultimately that's going to be well worth it. And it's going to have a compounding effect long-term. And just to realize that (laughs) not to feel like you're in the grind till the day you die, uh, because you just won't be if you really dedicate yourself to to this kind of stuff. And um, the last thing is that, like I said, I I went to go work, you know, quote unquote Wall Street, and you know, and I I really stacked up, honestly, you know, the stocks, bonds, mutual funds world, how it works, the fee structures, the ebbs, the flows, the possible manipulation here and there, and the hype and versus real estate versus privately owned real estate. And I just think that real estate wins, you know, it just does in my book. And it has in just about every way that I've used real estate from living in it to renting spare bedrooms to flips, vacation rentals to multifamily to syndications and even beyond self-storage, mobile home, first lien knows like real estate just is where it's at and mostly because I'm a cash flow focused investor. And that's my passion is just sharing passive income strategies. So I got one more question. And then our last question, how are your vacation rentals doing today? <laughs> I sold them. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I sold the, the last one in 2017, I believe. Okay. That so. was my bye-bye with everything else. <laughs> yeah. When I dedicated to, to passive, I thought, you know, that's probably the most active thing I had. So yeah. cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So last question, how do our listeners get in touch with you if they want to have a conversation, learn more, connect. Yeah. The conversations we mentioned, the free 15 minute Q and a call, uh, and a downloadable guide about understanding real estate, private placements, just a quick 20 pager with terminology. And a lot of the things that we talked about, both can be found at ashcroftcapital.com forward slash connect with Travis. And, uh, both are free. There's no upsells to either one. It's just, uh, 
uh, my way of giving back. So feel free to reach out there. Additionally, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Bigger Pockets and YouTube and all over the place. So uh, reach out on whatever platform works best for you. And I'm happy to connect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Travis, really appreciate it. I love hearing from like this side of the fence because I typically am hearing from, you know, the, the sponsor side of the fence. So I, I really appreciate it. Love the conversation. I love the honesty. Uh, it was great. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate yeah. it. Have a good day. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.